uh, essentially I had lived myself the struggle of the French company in software that uh, grows kind of well in France, but then struggles at like uh, five or 10 millions of revenue uh, to actually get there uh, just because uh, each European market is actually fairly small or possibly not dynamic enough compared to the US market. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock, the global conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, which returns to Dublin October 15th to the 17th. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and on this show, I bring you insights and tactics from leading SaaS entrepreneurs and investors across the world. On this week's episode, I talk with Florian Duetto, CEO of DataCoup, who is one of our speakers at the next stop of SaaStock on tour in Paris on May the 3rd. Florian, a math PhD dropout, began his venture into startup land at age 20. Five years ago, he started DataCoup, a collaboration platform for data scientists. Florian took the leap head on and scaled the company into the US when there were just a dozen people. He would see the true cost of scaling, including losing that initial profitability and instead heavily relying on three funding rounds. It has not been a journey without its warts. Currently, the company is making an eight digits revenue and has a staff of 135 people split between three offices. Listen on to hear how he initially scaled into the US when DataQ was very small. In fact, our early stage strategy was more to actually hire in Paris mm-hmm. American people in order to help us get uh, the right content, the right material, but also like really American minded people in sales in order to um, uh, get to the US market. And so that's kind of how we made the first. Uh, deals in the US. What were the factors that helped DataQ with American customers, including NPR? And then as we grew, uh, it was more uh, getting into uh, uh, more broadly in the market and possibly uh, getting into uh, yet bigger customers like uh, financial institutions. And there, yes, it's uh, yet another story, meaning you need to, from a uh, legal, security, size of the company perspective, you need to be able to reinsure them. Having uh, US investors and a bigger presence in the US is mandatory. How he organizes his time between the three locations and spends enough time at each. <laughs> I started to, to think in terms of quarters. You know, you've got 13 weeks in a quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do spend uh, three to four weeks in New York, typically three weeks in London. One week would be holiday with the kids and five weeks in Paris. At Sastock on Tour Paris, Florian will be joined by a roster of exciting speakers such as Rachel Delacour, co-founder of Biomal Analytics, which was acquired by Zendesk and now is VP for startups at Zendesk, Christoph Jans, managing partner at Point9 Capital, and Philippe Bateri, partner at Axel, amongst others. Join them on May the 3rd. See more info and tickets on sas.com forward slash on tour. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, Florian uh, Duetto um, is the CEO and uh, a co-founder at uh, Dataiku. Did I get, uh, how's my pronunciations? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, good. I was getting worried uh, uh, about the the difficult surname to pronounce and uh, the company name actually perhaps uh, less difficult, but uh, you you, you never know. Uh, But Florian, welcome. Where 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 am I uh, speaking to you uh, from or where, where are you today? I'm in Paris today. In Paris, uh, okay. I think in Paris. 
Very cool. And um, so tell us a little bit about uh, yourself uh, to start with. Uh, you know, who is, uh, who is Florian uh, Duetto? So I'm a mathematician slash engineer by trade. I think I started to work in startups when I was 20, uh, kind of a PhD dropout usual scheme. And I, well, I work in startup and software my whole life, first in search, then social gaming, a little bit of ad tech, and then I started that IQ five years ago mm-hmm. um, because I just, well, loved the data science field, really seen a great opportunity there. So it was a love at first sight and kind of obvious to me to, to do it. Okay. And what is it? What, what, what does the company do? What problems are you solving? Um, and where's the name come from? Mm. So Dataiku is a collaborative platform for data science. And collaboration in our field is important because actually today in data science, you've got at least two kinds of people working in the field. You've got data scientists, obviously, both kind of like math, engineering, business kind of mashup of skills that are so hard to describe. But actually, in reality, you also have like lots of other people. You've got data engineers, meaning software engineer by trade that work on data, and also data analysts, business analysts, uh, people that actually do come from a business, get into data uh, more and more today because they need to in order to be relevant in their field, and that uh, you need to involve in all data science-related projects if you want those projects to be successful. And that what sort of platform allows them to do. Okay. Uh, and uh, can you give us an indication in terms of size of the company? Can you share any, uh, any metrics uh, about the company just to get a, a, an understanding of your, your, your growth of where you've come in the last five years? Uh, yes, sure. So uh, we typically serve uh, mid-market to very large enterprise, meaning Fortune 100 enterprise, where the data team, mm-hmm. meaning people working on data, data scientists or data analysts, could scale from five people to a few hundreds of people, mm-hmm. like 300, 400, 500 people uh, working day to day on day to day on data. And in terms of scale of the company, uh, well, as I mentioned, we, uh, we 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 started five years ago, and so in the last few years we applied uh, one of my one of my board members actually wrote a blog post about it, the triple three times uh, kind of rule. So mm-hmm. we tried to triple, triple, triple the revenue of the company and we did it. And there are now uh, eight digits. Am I getting that right? Yes, eight. I'm not so good with numbers, in fact. <laughs> eight digits. A mathematician, <laughs> date scientist. <laughs> yeah. Eight digits kind of, uh, kind of revenue. Okay, very cool. Uh, eight digits revenue, um, triple revenue, uh, or triple, 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 and um, uh, number of people in the, in the company? Yeah, uh, 135 people as of today. Okay. Uh, with a split of those people uh, between the US mm-hmm. and Europe, uh, part of them in Paris, part of them in London. Mm-hmm. And so we are roughly doing half of our business in the US. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I understand. Uh, um, uh, hopefully, the research is uh, is correct. But uh, uh, you've been profitable from the start. Is is, is that right? So at the start, we were profitable. At the start, okay. Uh, which is another way to to to, to say it. Gotcha. Uh, very accurately, we actually bootstrapped the company for the first two years. Okay. 
and kept being profitable for uh, for a while after our, our, our seed mm-hmm. round. But then we uh, actually expanded the company, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. Yes, to be honest, we are not uh, not anymore profitable. Okay. Uh, spending at the scale of uh, the typical scale and cost of a of a SaaS business. So, uh, how many rounds have you uh, have have you done since uh, so, since you raised? So we raised uh, three rounds total: a seed round in France and a, a Series A uh, and a Series B in the US. Uh, one with First Mark Capital in New York, and one with Bayview Venture. Okay, uh, very cool. And uh, so, at what point then, um, you know, in the journey, you know, was it uh, sort of post Series A? Did you decide that we're going to open it in, in the US? Um, uh, and so, sort of thinking about this approach to the US market, and um, uh, I, th- I think you might have mentioned that the, the US office is in New York. Is that right? Um, so, uh, and why New York as well? Hmm. So, in fact, it was kind of from the start of the company that I was convinced that we needed to go to the US uh, as soon as possible. Well, for obvious reasons that you probably covered with like many entrepreneurs in the past, but uh, essentially I had lived myself the struggle of the French company in software that uh, grows kind of well in France, but then struggles at like uh, five or 10 millions of revenue uh, to actually get there uh, just because uh, each European market is actually fairly small or possibly not dynamic enough compared to the US market. And if you don't focus on the US market soon enough, you end up having a, a product and a company that is like two euro focus that doesn't grow that well, that fast. And after like four or five years, you get those US competitors that get into your market have already amortized their R&D urban product and can be very aggressive in terms of uh, uh, stunning your customer, your people, or whatever they can get. So I really did not want it to be in that uh, particular position, so I wanted to go to the U.S. as soon as possible. And um, so we actually got uh, early traction in the U.S. Uh, in fact, our early-stage strategy was more to actually hire in Paris mm-hmm. American people in order to help us get uh, the right content, the right material, but also like... Uh, really American-minded people in sales in order to um, actually uh, uh, get to the U.S. market. And so that's kind of how we made the first uh, deals in the U.S. And then uh, we, we decided to move there. And so I guess that the, the second part of your question was more around, like, why New York yeah. instead of um, any, anywhere else? Well, um, first, in our particular field, which was more kind of more, well, more enterprise sales than, like, mid-market SaaS business. Um, there was a focus to be done on the East Coast just because that's where the, the big companies are, basically mm-hmm. in the US. And um, especially analytics is usually located near the HQ of the company. So kind of more East Coast than West Coast. Uh, and so our early customers were there. And second, just for operational reasons, I knew that I had to travel a lot uh, between possibly the different locations of the company and uh, really do. Uh, I also uh, experienced uh, uh, and seen people trying to do uh, Paris and Fran like once a month and I know that it can kill you <laughs> <laughs> after a while. And I, and I know that uh, doing a startup is a marathon so you really need to, 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 to set yourself up so that you can actually uh, do this for five, six, seven, eight years. And so uh, I don't think this was... Um, this would have been uh, doable, just uh, humanly speaking. 
Makes sense, makes sense. And so you mentioned um, uh, uh, earlier that you actually started to hire um, Americans uh, that are already based in Paris to have that sort of US mindset to get you ready for when you move into the US market. Did you then move these uh, sales guys, some of these teams uh, to the US or like who did you hire? Um, like who were the first hires on the ground in, in, in the US? So, um, actually, the first hires on the ground were first uh, local people that we hired them. And then we moved uh, partly people from the Paris team, but like a very, very few of them, like two of them max, when we were already 10 or 15 in the US. So, I think that at the end of the day, you really need to, to, hire, to hire people, people locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's, uh, it's really a struggle at the beginning, just because uh, if you don't have the brand or uh, the network coming from your investors and so on, you are really not in the right position to hire first. So you really need to convince each and every one candidates. Meaning, I, I usually say that as if like uh, when you are hiring f- from your HQ, you have this uh, startup superpowers. Meaning you look trendy, uh, your office is shining, you've got lots of uh, smart people around you and possibly dozens of them. So it's really, it's not easy, but it's easier to actually convince a candidate just to join the company. When you are opening a new market, you just, you suddenly like out of your uh, superpowers, it's like a superman near kryptonite. You essentially have to prove everything back, which is kind of like a time machine effect. You get back to when you had nothing and you just need to prove and prove and prove to, uh, to each of your recruits. Makes sense. Uh, and what what were let's say some of the challenges then you you, ha- you had when you uh, initially opened uh, you know the the US office? Um, uh, yeah, can you list uh, like a, a couple of things that that you faced and uh, overcame? Well, re- recruitment was uh, was uh, was one thing, and uh, trying to figure out what were the right people in the right setup just navigating in the, the job position, the job title and typical profile you've got in the US. Uh, that was not easy back then. Uh, it not it seems obvious to me, so it's almost hard to remember why it was uh, uh, difficult back then. Uh, there was also lots of, well, tiny mishaps around uh, what should be the office location, I don't know, healthcare plans, admins, visas, meaning all those uh, uh, things that you actually have to do in order to 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 set things up, but there is no magic recipe here. I think you just need to 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 learn it uh, the first time you do it. What was the, what was the impact on the company? Um, <clears throat> you know, of opening in in the US. Uh, you know, the, I think you did. You mention uh, unless I, I'm mistaken, it was something like fifty percent of your revenue mm-hmm. is now coming from the US, something like that. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it was really important in order to position the company as a as a global company, meaning uh, it's it's a matter of market validation that just reassures everyone. Uh, just because we know that we can get in the US market and we actually compete with the key player of that market without having to be ashamed of it, uh, of it it's uh, really a way actually to build a, a kind of a winning slash ambitious mind, mindset in the company that is important to build, uh, I think, early stage. So that's, uh, I think, is uh, the most uh, important effect. Well, also, we were able to raise money in the US, <laughs> uh, which is not a small thing, just because access to capital is very different in the US. Sure. Design. 
and uh, also uh, really help us to uh, kind of be able to plan and just not like struggle. And how much time? So obviously, Paris to New York is, uh, as we said, you know, much closer um, and and perhaps healthier than uh, Paris to, to San Francisco. Um, how often are you in the New York office, or how much time are you spending in the US on a monthly basis? Oh, um, you, you, I usually go to, to to New York like once a month. Mm-hmm. And so right now, for instance, <laughs> I started to to think in terms of quarters. You know, you've got certain weeks in a quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do spend uh, three to four weeks in New York, typically three weeks in London. One week would be holiday with the kids. I've got two kids. Okay. Part of the time, alloc- time allocation. Yeah. And so uh, typically one week in either Asia or West Coast or like some exotic location and five weeks in Paris. Okay. Very cool. Very it's cool. easier to, to, to think in terms of weeks in a quarter rather than uh, days of events. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I should start to do that. But uh, um, yeah, uh, What you don't want to do, I think, is like start splitting the weeks if yeah. you're really into traveling, just because it can also kill you. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, have you thought about, so obviously you've got kids and you're, you're living in Paris and I, I don't know how old they are, maybe they're at school and stuff, but have you thought about making that switch, you know, over into being based, you know, in New York, in the US, you know, full time? Um, uh, where, where are you at, you know, around um, uh, around that? Yeah, obviously I thought about it, but really not possible for me for lots of like personal family mm-hmm. family reasons. And one of my co-founders, uh, who is head of sales, actually moved to, to, to New York last year. Mm-hmm. That really uh, kind of helped us uh, grow and further scale the company there. Okay, very cool. Um, and, and then, like, I, I guess sort of, um, you know, as you've scaled into the U.S., you, you know, starting to, to win these sort of U.S. companies, I think, like, uh, uh, NPR is, uh, you, you know, sort of one of them that, that, that's sort of pretty well known. Um, you know, did you have any uh, uh, sort of difficulties, um, you know, uh, convincing them to partner, um, you know, with a, a French, you know, uh, data science uh, sort of platform? Or, did, you know, was the positioning of you being a global company, did that, you know, overcome that? So, um, yeah, any, any issues with, uh, you know, the French company coming in and selling to U.S. companies? I, I, I think the positioning and the commitments uh, we had was, I think, key. Meaning it was really about like positioning the website and all our content was like US slash English first. Meaning we don't have any French website, for instance. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure we will ever have one. Uh, being like really talking to customer and positioning the value the way they expect it to be. Uh, really talking to those organizations in a in a way they expect it. Uh, you know, just follow the sales process that they expect from a software company in the U.S. Don't try to reinvent us, our own and uh, hire the the, the the right people in the right position. Provide like a very good support. Uh, this time, meaning just get this uh, feeling that uh, even if uh, maybe uh, the R&D team is not in the same time zone you can just get them answer to any of your question like right away. Uh, I think like this, this kind of lots of small things, but I think that are necessary if you want to, to build this trust. And from my perspective, in the very first years, we had uh, this uh, few customers being early adopters, like I don't know, a dozen of them or a few dozen of them. 
that were really uh, into the product learn about us kind of organically. They just uh, were looking for a data science platform from that they could try the tool online, uh, find it pretty cool, and just reached out. And then as we grew, uh, it was more uh, getting into uh, uh, more broadly in the market and possibly uh, getting into uh, yet bigger customers uh, like uh, financial institutions. And there, yes, it's uh, yet another story, meaning you need to, from a uh, legal security size of the company perspective, you need to be able to reinsure them. And I guess that here, having uh, U.S. investors and a bigger presence in the U.S. is mandatory. Any um, sort of cultural differences that you've noticed when selling into U.S. companies versus European companies um, that that you've uh, yeah that you've noticed and that you can share? Well, you've got a lot of those, but I would say that to some extent. Uh, the cultural differences you've got between UK, France, and Germany are not that much different or more than the differences you've got between France and the US. Um, just different countries and different uh, possibly ways to, to, to do business. Uh, but within the company, well, we try to have this uh, uh, culture of the company. I think it's pretty strong in terms of uh, uh, fostering uh, transparency and autonomy and accountability and also be fairly analytical in the company. Well, because we are a data science platform, being analytical and kind of geeky is okay. That's part of the culture of the company and what we sell. And uh, But yeah, you do not sell the same way in different countries. The people you are are slightly different uh, just because that's the way they are. But uh, uh, we kind of early stage at this perspective of, a, of having uh, offices with uh, different nationalities, different culture. And so uh, that's also part of the company to uh, have uh, someone starting a conversation in French and then switching to English. And then uh, someone else from uh, India or uh, Italy joining in. So that's not uh, that's something we live in, I think. And, and, and now, like, so you're the, the CEO of a 130-plus person company in three different uh, locations uh, uh, across the globe. Um, you as a, as a CEO, you know, what, what are your, like, you know, biggest challenges and opportunities that you, that you think that you have over the, the kind of next year or so? Well, I think that at our stage, you can still fail pretty bad. Really, so uh, planning and organizing things in order to be sure it does not happen is uh, at the end of the day my job. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot about like just well trying to plan those things ahead, which means for uh, uh, a lot of it is about preparing yourself, understanding what is the next step in one year, in two years, in terms of uh, organization impact on the business uh, positioning. Uh, talking to people, making sure that management and everyone is aligned. So it's a lot more kind of soft and planning and that it used to be when you are more on the field and making uh, lots of tactical decisions, mm-hmm. I would say. But uh, that's uh, another uh, thing. I guess it's t- very typical when you are in the growth stage that you will start to having to change yourself from uh, kind of uh, the tactical CEO to uh, more... Uh, uh, planning and helping people grow. From meaning, uh, when you are in Europe, I guess that we 
we had in Europe a fair number of companies that did, did nice exit, including in technologies, but very few that actually made it to the market, meaning how many SaaS IPOs have there been in Europe? I don't even know. Probably you know, like one, two, three, I don't Four, I believe, yeah. Four, okay. No, yeah, it's not a big number. <laughs> it's not a big number. So you can, well, we can still improve this number by 20%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope that, uh, well, uh, we are only at uh, year five of Dataiku and usually uh, any meaningful um, success in, uh, in SaaS is after like 10 years or yeah. something like that. So yeah. we still have like uh, five years ahead, half of mm-hmm. the way. Uh, I, I hope that when we are like 10, there will be more than four uh, SaaS IPOs in Europe. <laughs> Hopefully more like uh, 15 or 19, and maybe we, we can be the 20th. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think that, it would be good. I mean, definitely the, 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 there's enough exciting companies out there uh, like yourselves um, that we hope that, you know, some of them, uh, you, you know, will become the next uh, success stories because obviously companies like Zendesk have been mm-hmm. carrying that for a long time, right? And yep. it's like, who's going to take over from Zendesk? You know, is it going to be Intercom? You know, is it going to be you guys? Uh, you know, who uh, hopefully, as you said, by five years' time, they, they will, will, will have seen that improvement from four to maybe 20 or something like that. Um, and, um, okay. So, and then, uh, well, in, uh, uh May the third, uh, actually you, you'll be speaking at SAS.com on tour Paris. Um, uh, so super excited about that. Um, uh, I guess this is a bit of a taster, uh, you know, of that, but what more can we expect, uh, you know, to hear from you, um, uh, you know, at, at SAS.com on tour Paris? Well, yeah, I, I, I share part of my experience of, uh, building a, a company, um, across several locations and moving to the US and uh, probably had uh, a few more funny anecdotes about what can go wrong uh, in certain situations. For instance, I, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before. I had to reset my sales team and move back to zero in, uh, in the US. And so I had to start back from scratch. I think that's very typical, and uh, I don't know if it's funny, but uh, useful to know that it can happen. Okay. All right. Well, we, we look forward to hearing more about that and why. Um, uh, so super excited uh, to see you and others at, at SAS Talk Paris on May the 3rd. And now just finally, as we, as we close, um, you personally – um, you know, you mentioned that you've got a, a couple of kids and, uh, you know, you're, you're living in Paris, but how, how do you take care of yourself? Uh, you know, running a company, uh, you know, across three different time zones, three locations, managing 138 people. Um, how do you stay sane and healthy, uh, you know, along this journey? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I've got a practice for that. I, I try to sleep enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's most of it. And uh, just keep uh, an empty diet and uh, have uh, funny and uh, caring uh, people around me. And uh, I guess that's enough from now. Okay. <laughs> from now. Very cool. Uh, I think sleep is definitely uh, uh, important. And uh, um, yeah, something that uh, I think we should all uh, get plenty of. But um, no, look, uh, Florian, it's been uh, awesome speaking to you today. You know, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, look forward to uh, uh, meeting up in, in Paris on, uh, on May the 3rd. Um, where can people find, uh, uh, find you online? 
So you can find me online on Twitter, mostly. Uh, my handle is at fdueto, like first, first letter of my first name, then my last name, or on LinkedIn. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Florian, thanks for being a great guest. And uh, uh, for those listening at home, if uh, you like this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, we'd appreciate if you rate and review us and uh, we'll speak, you ne- uh, speak to you next time. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alex. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up some valuable lessons from Florian. Find out more about how he rebuilt his US team from scratch and meet with founders and execs on the same journey as you. Join us at our next SaaS on Tour stop in Paris on May the 3rd. Find out more at sasdoc.com forward slash on tour. Thanks for listening. See you next time.